0: Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 24 the uh, 24th chapter of the book of Joshua. This is where we're going to be, where we've been for a few messages already in this series uh, that we started a few weeks ago entitled Choose. So Joshua chapter 24, thanks to you for those of you that are in the choir uh, for uh, leading us in worship today. What an awesome time of worship. Both services, nine o'clock and also this one as well, just been tremendous times of worship that hopefully have prepared your heart really for God's word, what he wants to do throughout the remainder of this time. So Joshua 24 is where we're going to be here in just a few minutes. And uh, the third message in this message, series entitled Choose. Well, let me ask a question real quick before we dive in. How many of you would say that you have a hard time uh, getting to where you need to go because you tend to get lost pretty easily? Any of you in the crowd, all right, that are amazed that you even got here today? All right, so that's a good thing. I am, I guess the appropriate uh, title would be, I'm directionally challenged, okay? So that means I get lost almost everywhere I go. A couple of days ago, Susie and I were driving through Kensington Park on the way to her mom and dad's house where they have lived since before we even dated. And, uh, And so we're driving through Kensington Park and we get to a little, you know, kind of a fork in the road there. And I said, I go left, right? And she said, no, you go right. So she's just used to me getting lost everywhere I go. You've heard some of those stories as well of me getting lost. You won a few months ago at a funeral, and they had to send the hearse to find me, take me to the graveside to finish the funeral. That was one example. Another, I was running cross-country in college and got lost during the actual cross-country meet. Not not a track meet. It wasn't on a 400-meter track. That would be horrible if I got lost there. That would just be plain stupid, but... This was a, a, a cross country meet, and had I been faster, I could have stayed with the pack. Right, I could stay with the group, and I would have just followed them. Uh, but they were so, so far ahead of me, I just got lost. So, uh, directionally challenged. So, some of you maybe maybe feel my pain. A few months ago, when we went on vacation, Hannah and I actually had a chance to go hiking, which almost terrified me. Uh, but we went on a hiking little expedition. We went to Vogel State Park, which is way up in North Georgia. I used to go there as a kid, and now we, as a family, have gone there for a few years. Well, I had never hiked this trail there. It's about three miles from the Appalachian Trail. So there's a lot of hiking up in that area. And uh, there's a trail that starts inside the park and then it leaves the park and then it comes back. It's a four mile trail called the Bear Hair Gap Trail. And so I decided, you know what, Hannah and I, we're going to do this. We talked about it before we got there. Hannah's 10 years old. I knew she could carry me out if she needed to, and, uh, and so uh, she'd been doing some training. And so we went, we packed our bag, right? This is a four-mile hike, okay? I packed enough food until probably our vacation was over, because I didn't know if I was going to get lost or not. I might need it. So, so we pack up, we leave, we go out, and we get, prob- I would say, 80% of the way through this, through this uh, hike. It, again, it's a four-mile hike. of the way done, we're coming up towards the end, and this gigantic tree had fallen from the side of the mountain over the trail, over the path, and I had to make a decision. Do I try to drag my 10-year-old daughter through this tree to get to the other side, and it just sweep us down the rest of the hill, or do we backtrack? And so I made the the, the dad decision, we're going to backtrack which again terrified me because I didn't know, if, you know, I was just blessed that I had gotten that far and was still on the trail. So we backpack, we, we backtracked. And, uh, and here's the coolest thing. I noticed that as we turned around and as we started going the other direction that I felt a lot of comfort. And here's why. It was because I began to see things that I had recognized when we came the first time down that trail. I would see a creek that we had crossed and I remembered it because I took a picture of it. And so we would come to that creek and I would remember Hey, we're, we're we're going the right direction. This is good. There's a, you know there's an identifier, there's a mark, and there's kind of like a bearing or something that's there. You know they, they call them uh, I, I don't I forget the terrain objects. That's what they call them, terrain objects. And so I saw this this creek that we had passed uh, previously, and I knew I was on the right track. So we keep on going. We came to a rock formation. I remembered the rock formation from the first time because I had snapped a picture of her there at the rock formation. So I knew I was on the right track. We came to another creek. You know we maybe see a tree that we remem- uh, remembered the first time through, and. And all these different terrain objects, these markers, these, these reminders, these, these bearings in a sense had, re, had helped me to see that I was on the right track. And anytime we take a trip, anytime we, we are, are uh, uh, making a journey, whether it be a literal physical journey, a trip from point A to point B, or whether it's through life, there are a couple things that are going to be helpful. One is we need to know where our destination is so that we'll know when we get there. I know that sounds stupid, right? But we need to know where we're headed. We need to know where we're going. We need to know where is the final stop on the map that we're trying to get to, so to speak. You have to know the destination, but at the same time, we also have to know and we have to have accurate bearings, markers, identifiers, right? along the way that help us to get to the destination. Here's why. Because if we follow the wrong bearings, if we follow the wrong markers, we're going to end up in a destination that we did not intend if we don't have the proper bearings, if we don't follow the proper markers, then we're going to arrive at an unintended destination. You can still get to where you wanted to go ultimately, but you're going to have to train, change course, go the long way around, and more than likely pick up extra baggage that you did not intend along the way. And so you have to know your destination and you have to have accurate, proper markers, bearings as you make the journey so that as you follow them, they get you to where you want to go. And we do this every day. We know this, don't we? Because if someone asks you today, for example as you're leaving church, hey, how do you get to Thunderbolt? You know, most of us, right, we live in the islands community, whether it's Tillahee or Whitmarsh, Wilmington, you know, one of the others. Uh, some drive in from, from Savannah, Savannah. Savannah. I was only born and raised here. Is it Savannah? Yeah, you, you drive in from Savannah. And, uh, and so you're familiar, you're familiar with this area, right? And so somebody asked you on the way out, hey, how do you get to Thunderbolt? You're gonna say, well, you go to the sign. There's a church sign there, bearing, marker, right? You're gonna take a left of the sign. You're gonna go out. You're gonna see McDonald's on your left. Woo! lunch and then you're going to you know, you're going to see Ace Hardware on your right you're gonna keep on going. You're gonna go around a big curve. You're gonna have in mark on the right and in mark on the left because we got it going on on the islands. We got two in marks, right across the street. So you're gonna pass through those. You're gonna you know, go keep on going. You're gonna go through another red light. You're gonna you know clear Walgreens, CVS. You're gonna go over a bridge. You keep on going. You're going the YMCA on your right. You're gonna keep on going, and then you're gonna come to a, to a red light at kind of a T there. Don't keep going there because if you do, you run through a little community and you'll probably get arrested. And you'll end up in the marsh. So don't do that. Take a left at that light, and you're gonna just keep on going for another mile, mile and a half. You go over a huge bridge, and you're in Thunder right accurate markings accurate bearings you follow those you're going to end up where you want to be and we understand this because this is the way we operate in our lives every single day this is the way we operate and yet we often wind up where we don't want to be in our lives because we follow the wrong bearings we follow the wrong markers we follow the wrong things and we wonder why we don't have what we always wanted. You know, I think it'd be safe to say that for some today, the reason that you're here today, the reason you've been here for the last few weeks or the last couple of months or the last few years was because you woke up one day. It may have been an event that woke you up, but you woke up one day and you realized, I don't have anything that I've always wanted, and yet I've chased everything that I thought would give it to me. Maybe for some, you woke up one day and you thought, you know what? I always thought that just buying something new would, would, would give me what I've lacked in my life. I always thought it was the new house. I always thought it was the new possession, the new car. And now I have all those things, and yet all I have is debt. <laughs> you know, And I don't, have, I don't really feel any better about myself. I don't really feel like my life is any different. All I have is just this accumulation of stuff, but yet I'm realizing now, Brooks, that I have followed the wrong markers, and I've ended up in a destination that I never intended. For others, maybe there was a time in your life where you thought it would be a new relationship. You know, if I could just meet the right person, if I could just meet the person who's gonna get me in the right job, if I could just make that right connection, if I could just network, work the crowd, if I could just find the right guy to marry, the right girl to marry, if I could just find a new person to marry and get rid of the one that I married previously, if I could just get the right relationship, then if I can just follow that marker called relationship, then I'm gonna end up getting what I've always wanted and I'm gonna finally be the person that I've always wanted to be and I'm gonna be happy and I'm gonna be fulfilled and I'm going to my life is going to really matter and I'm going to have a reason to get up in the morning and if I could just have that and, and and you you got it and yet you still feel the same on the inside you still feel as though nothing really changed nothing was really different and there are all kinds of different markers that we can chase in our lives some of them really good but they were never intended to fill things in us that can only be filled one way maybe for you it was wealth Maybe you kind of reached the mountaintop of your career. Maybe for you, you've got the 401k and you've got the house on the mountains and you've got all the stuff, all the money, and, and you've accumulated all that. But life is no different. Maybe it was just chasing pleasure. Maybe you felt like I can just chase these markers. If I can just chase down these bearings, they're going to lead me. You know, this pleasure, that pleasure, that pleasure, that pleasure. And finally, I'm going to have what I've always wanted on the inside. And you're still empty. You see, in our lives, whether we, chase, whether we are on an actual journey or whether we are working our way through life, if we follow the wrong bearings, the wrong markers, we will wind up in a destination we never intended. But here's the good news, and we're going to see this in just a second in this passage of Scripture. Here, here's the good news, and I hope you'll jot this down. We're going to see two principles today, and this is the first, that when our bearings are correct, however, when our bearings are accurate and we follow those, our destination will always be sure that when our bearings are correct, when our bearings are proper, when they are right, then our destination is sure. That little description I just gave you of getting the Thunderbolt, if you follow that, you're going to get the Thunderbolt, right? Because the bearings, the the, the, the markers are accurate. And when you follow those, it, your destination is sure. I know what you're thinking. Oh, I might run out of gas. Hey, you'll still get there. You follow the markers, you might have to get somebody to fill your tank for you, but you'll still get there if you follow the bearings. Why? Because they're designed to get you where you need to be and that same on a map just as it is in our lives so so here's the here's the million dollar question so then if, if my markers in life, if my, if my bearings are so important, if it, if it is a necessity that I follow the right bearings, the right markers in my life to get where I've always wanted to be, to get where ultimately God wants me to be, if it's that important, Brooks, then how do I know, how, how do I know how to set those bearings? How do I know which ones are going to get me to the right place and which ones are going to lead me astray? How do I know which ones are going to get me where I need to be, where I've always wanted to be? And how do I know that, 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 that certain ones are going to just lead me off the beaten path and I'm going to pay? for it and suffer for it as a result. How do I know the difference? (laughs) I would say the answer to that is both the easiest thing and the hardest thing you'll ever do. So let's see how it plays out in the life of a man named Joshua and the lives of people Called the Israelites. Joshua chapter 24 is we've, where we've been now for two different messages in this series. The first message we talked about, making the right choice, choose against temptation. Last week we looked at what it means to choose against compromise. Well this morning we're going to look at yet another little aspect of the choice that the people of Israel had to make. Joshua helps us to see that in this book that bears his name. Let me give you just a quick little refresher of who Joshua was. Joshua was the one who took over for Moses as the leader of the Israelites. All the way through the Old Testament, the first five books, theologians call it the Pentateuch. You know, if you want to impress people at work tomorrow, just toss that word out. Hey, have you read the Pentateuch lately? Yeah, they'll, they'll, you'll probably get extra long lunch for that at work. You yeah, know, the boss will be so impressed. In the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis through Deuteronomy, Moses wrote those. God wrote, wrote them through Moses. And what it does for us is it captures kind of the beginning of mankind where God created, and it takes us through Deuteronomy where we find then that God has chosen out of all the peoples in the world, he chose a select group for himself, the people of Israel. They were God's chosen people, still are, still uh, still today. And so they're God's chosen people. And as we move through the Old Testament, those first five books, by the time we get to Deuteronomy, we find that a lot has happened. When we move into the book of Joshua now, we find that Moses is off the scene. The people of Israel are now in the midst of their wanderings, and Joshua is the one that God raises up to lead them Uh, into ultimately the promised land, out of the wanderings through the wilderness and into the promised land. Joshua would be 90 years old when God would say, now's your time. 90 years old. He would die 20 years later at the age of 110. And yet it would be Joshua that would be called to lead God's people into the land that had been given to them, but they also had to go in and take it. It's kind of a paradox to some degree. God say, hey, I'm giving you this land, but you got to go in and drive out the enemy nations. You got to take it for yourself. You got to trust me and you got to follow me. You got to obey me. You got to lean on me. I'll do it through you, but you got to take the steps to follow. And so Joshua would be their leader through all this. We find that uh, at, at the tail end of Joshua's life, at the very end of his book, the book of Joshua, chapter 24, that he is coming to the close of his life. He's about to die. He's got all the people of Israel together. He's giving them you know, the big speech you know, about what they need to focus on and what they need to do. And this is where we get to chapter 24, verse 1. It says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. And he called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and their judges and their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Now Joshua is going to quote God. He says, from ancient times, your fathers lived beyond the river. That's the Euphrates River. Namely, Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. Okay, Shocker here that in Israelite history, when you look back to kind of like the prime person in Old Testament history, Abraham, in his family tree, you had idol worship. All right, You had you know, his father and others would worship false gods. So that's what God's reminded them of. He says, Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river, and I led him through all the land of Canaan, and I multiplied his descendants, and I gave him Isaac. And so, what God is doing here through Joshua to all the people of Israel, he's saying, Let me just remind you of your history. All right? I took you out of idol worship, basically and I made you a people. He begins in verse 4 here, all the way down through verse 12, kind of recounts a lot of their history. And then notice what he says in verse 13 through verse 15. He says, I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities which you had not built, and you've lived in them. You're eating of vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. In other words, God is saying, don't forget that everything you have and everything you are you have and you are because of me God says you didn't pick yourself up out of you know you know from your bootstraps you didn't create your you know your own destiny you are who you are because of me God says no other reason you didn't work hard enough you got stuff that you didn't plant you got stuff you didn't build I'm the one who gave it to you I'm the one who prepared it for you and so you've only got me to think God says he says, so fear the Lord, serve him, sincerely and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. That's what God's saying to him. He says, you can't have both. You can't do both things. We looked at this last week. Either you're going to serve me or you're going to serve something other than me. And when we reject God, listen, I'm not going to camp here for long, but this is something to really chew on. When we reject God, we always replace God. If, you're, if you've been in a place in life where you have rejected God for whatever reason, a tragedy that came, or something you didn't understand, or, or you know, he asked something of you that you didn't agree with, you didn't want to do it, so you rejected him, we always replace him. And so, so God is saying to the people of Israel, you have to either cert, decide, are you going to serve the false gods or are you going to serve me? And that's exactly what Joshua says. So if it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me, in case you're wondering, Joshua says, but as for me and my house, he says, we will serve the Lord. And this is, this is a, a bold statement that Joshua makes. I mean, he, he tells them, you have got to make a choice. I'm going to set the example for you. I'm going to be one who ultimately serves the Lord. Uh, look at verse 23. I mean, he, he lays that out very clearly. So put away the foreign gods that are in your midst and incline your hearts to the Lord. One or the other. Choose. It's interesting what the people's response is. We, we haven't come to this yet in this series. We will today. Look, look, at, look at the next verse, verse 24. So the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and we'll obey his voice. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day. This was such a big deal. They said, you know what, Joshua, we hear you, and we're going to follow the Lord. We're gonna, uh, we're, we're gonna, he, he's going to be first for us. We're going to do whatever he asks of us. We're not just going to serve him. We're going to also obey him. Because wrapped up in their minds, they understood that serving God is not something, listen, not something that we just do within a compartment. We don't just serve God Sundays from nine to noon and say, there, I've served God this week. That's what he wanted. Now I've done it. I'm going to move on and do my own thing. They understood that serving God was not something you could compartmentalize in your life. They understood serving God to mean obeying him all the time in their lives. They understood this. Joshua said, this is a big deal. Man, you guys have got it right. Let me me give you a hand clap here. You've got it so right. We're going to make a covenant today. Verse 25. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and he made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. You can read through the rest of chapter 24 and see exactly how he did that. He put a visual reminder in front of them that every time you see this reminder, you're going to be reminded of the significance of this day that you have chosen. You've chosen well to serve God and to obey him from this day forward. End of story. The people of Israel would serve God forevermore with all their hearts and lives, and they would live forever in the land, the end, all right? No. You see, the, the true story takes a tragic turn because verse 29 tells us that Joshua ultimately would pass away. And then there's another book called the book of Judges, which starts. In the book of Judges, chapter 2, if you have your Bible, you can turn there with me. We find that the story picks up and we see what happens next. Judges 2, verse 8. Begins to kind of pick up where Joshua left off. It says, then Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of one hundred and ten. And they buried him in the territory of his inheritance in timnath Haresh in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. In other words, the whole entire generation of Joshua would die. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord the God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them. And they bowed themselves down to them, and thus they provoked the Lord to anger. It's one of those moments where you want to say, are you, are you kidding me? I mean, you have Moses leading them through 40 years of the wilderness. Moses dies, you raise up Joshua, I mean, who's an Old Testament hero of the faith. And all it took was that one generation when Joshua closes his eyes in death and all the other leaders around him close their eyes in death. Do you mean to tell me that it took one generation for them to ultimately, because they couldn't do both, to choose to forsake God and push him to the curb while they chased after all these other false gods? That's exactly what that says. And sadly, this doesn't play itself out just buried in the, old, in the, in the pages of early Old Testament history That cycle played itself out throughout the nation of Israel for years and years and years. If you read through the book of Judges, there are seven or eight different cycles where this one cycle would play itself out. The people would serve God. God would bless them and they would prosper. They would ultimately forsake God and chase after false idols. As a result of that, they would experience the discipline of God. They would often fall into bondage and slavery. They would cry out to God. God would then raise up a judge that would deliver them and they would begin to serve God again only to repeat the cycle. Serve him, be blessed, forsake him. Everything would begin to spin through the book of Judges seven to eight different times. Sad to say, that also proves itself true throughout history. Sonny Perdue, governor of this state, uh, years ago made a quote. I want you to read what it says. It's an interesting quote, Uh, not only how it validates what Scripture says, but also just life in general. He says the average of the world's great civilizations before they decline has been 200 years. These nations have progressed in this sequence from bondage to spiritual faith, from faith to great courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to dependency, and from dependency back again to bondage. It's that cycle that we see lived out Right there in the pages of the book of Judges in the people of Israel, as it circulates uh, uh, over over a period of time where people walk with God, they abandon God in pursuit of something else, another false God, ultimately pay the consequence for that. They come back to God, God forgives them, and the cycle repeats itself all over again. It is one of the darkest periods in Old Testament history, is this cycle of time in the book of Judges, where everyone did as was right in their own eyes. One of the darkest periods which you have to be totally blind to miss the fact that our country is very much the same place right here today. Where everyone sets the standard of what they think is right. They chase after everything but God. And as a result, we find ourselves at somewhere in this particular cycle closer to the end than we are to the beginning. But don't stop there. Because this same cycle also plays itself out in individual lives at the same time, even of those of Christians and followers of Jesus Christ, where we get blessed and then we get comfortable and then we get lazy and we become apathetic and then we fall into bondage because we chase after something other than God and we experience this same darkness in our own lives at the same time as well. It's a cycle that plays itself out, sadly, over time in people's lives. And let me just say that we have to be very careful that we don't become like the people of Israel who believe falsely that, hey, we're God's people. Nothing's going to happen to us. We're going to be okay. You as a Christian, listen very carefully, you as a Christian and I as a Christian can go anywhere from here except hell. Hell is off the map for the follower of Christ, right? Because our, eternal, uh, our eternity is secure. We cannot forfeit. We cannot lose our salvation. It cannot be taken from us. It can't be stolen from us. We can't send enough to where God says, what was I thinking? I take back my salvation. That will never happen in the life of a believer. So hell is off the table. Everything else is a possibility for you and me as Christians. We can get anywhere from here if we make wrong choices and put God to the curb as individuals, as churches, and as a nation. There are churches all over this city today who once had a voice. There are churches all over this country today who once had a voice, whose work for the sake of the gospel was beyond what anything that we could ever even imagine. And yet today they have lost their influence. They've lost the power of God. They've lost their ability to draw and to win people to Christ. They have lost the strength of their witness. Why? Because they chose to put God to the curb and to to ultimately replace him with something else. And there are church doors today that are darkened. There are churches that used to run hundreds and thousands that are running dozens today because they replaced God. And because they chased a marker that led them to a destination that they never intended. Man, these stakes are very, very high. And when we bring it down to us, who we are as individuals, would it be safe to say that perhaps for some, your family is not where you thought they would be today, husband, because you've chased the wrong markers that led you to wealth, that led you to success, that led you to pleasure, that led you to the good life, but God was nowhere on that journey. Would it be safe to say that perhaps for you today you experience something less than full joy, something less than the abundant life, something less than deep fulfillment, something less than being at peace with who you are before God because you chased a marker that you never that you never knew would lead you to where you are today. Broken, dry, empty, unfulfilled, with all kinds of good things, but no different on the inside. You see, when our bearings are right, our ultimate destination is sure. So then the question becomes well, then how do I follow the right bearings? As I said before, it's the million-dollar question. How do I know that I'm following the right bearings? I said earlier, it's going to be the easiest thing and the hardest thing you've ever done. So here's principle number two, that we experience life. We experience life in a way that, that God intended when we ultimately make the choice with all of our hearts To love God deeply, to serve Him deeply, to put Him first, and to follow Him closely in our lives. That when we make that choice, ultimately, to serve Him, to love Him, to know Him deeply not to be content with just superficially knowing who God is, but where we become content to say, you know what, I want to dive as deeply as I can. It is one thing for us to sing the words to that song that our choir just let us in. It is a whole other thing to say, you know what, that is, the, that is what I want to be the testament of my life, to know you more and more and more and more deeply, and to follow you more and more and more and more closely, that when we do that, here's what happens. God begins to fill us in a way that only he can, because Jesus himself said, I'm come to give you life and to give give it more abundantly in a way that this world cannot deliver. And you say, well, Brooks, what about those desires that I have today? What if I want some things that maybe God doesn't want? If we dive in deeper and if we follow him more closely than ever before, and if we seek to know him more deeply than ever before, here's what I found in my life is that God even begins to change some of the deepest desires of our hearts to line them up with what his will is. There are things that I used to want in my life. I don't want them anymore. Because God replaced them with something better as I followed him and as I walked with him. And then there have been times in my life where God has given me what I wanted and what I pursued so, so, uh, so hard uh, without him. He's allowed me to have some of those things and I've learned the, long, the hard way and the long way around that I should have followed him to begin with the first time. So how important is it to you to know him deeply? How important is it to you To follow him closely. And when we begin to look at scripture as to what that looks like, we find that it becomes something that doesn't happen accidentally. It happens when we become intentional. Let me show you one more passage of scripture and then we're going to be done. It's in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 4. Paul is writing a letter, Paul, the greatest missionary that ever lived, is writing a letter to Timothy, a young pastor. Notice what he says to him in verse 7, and we're done. He says, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. <laughs> yeah, that's in the Bible. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Hey, Paul said it first. I didn't say it. If you feel like you fall into the category of old women, that's, I didn't say that. Paul, I'm just quoting the man, all right? He says, have nothing to do with worldly fables, Timothy, fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. That word discipline is a Greek word, gymnazo, from which we get the word, English word gymnasium. Tied, into, t- tied in with that Greek word is a very strong athletic understanding, competition understanding. Paul pulls out of the Greek vocabulary an athletic word a competitive word to say, Timothy, if you're going to be the man that God created you to be, this is what it's going to take. You are going to have to discipline yourself for godliness. You don't come to know God by your own works. You don't work your way to Him. He saves you by His grace through your faith in Jesus Christ. That is the only way we know God It's through a relationship with Christ. But Timothy, if you're going to be sure that you follow the right markers in your life, that you follow the right bearings so that you wind up where God wants you to be and not somewhere else, if you're going to do that, it's going to take discipline. It's going to take a lot of hard work. It's going to take a lot of sacrifice. It's going to take just like an athlete saying no to a lot of things that may be enjoyable for the sake of doing something that you know is going to be better. It's going to cost you. But Timothy, when all is said and done, It's going to be worth it. So let me ask you this question as we close. Would you rather have the easy road in life and end up somewhere that you never intended or would you rather rather take the hard road, the road of sacrifice, the road of discipline and end up right smack in the middle of where God has always wanted you to be? That choice is yours. I can take the easy road and do it my way and miss what God wanted, or I can take the hard road through a relationship with Christ, surrendering myself, laying myself down, relinquishing rights to my life. I can take the hard road and end up right where God wanted me to be. As we make that choice, hey, listen, you've got a family that just may be following your lead. you got a lot of friends that just may be following your lead. And what you may find is it's not just you on that journey. It's a lot of others too. So choose wisely. Let's pray.